0: Well, good morning, Belleville first. Good morning, Belleville first. All right. Good morning. It's good to see you all this morning. Aren't you glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning? One more time. Aren't you glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning? All right. I am. I am. And I hope you are too. Um, I was thinking earlier this this week, just about uh, the, you know, the house of the Lord. Aren't you glad that that uh, when God created the earth, he set a day aside for us to focus on him. We can worship anytime. We know that. Go ahead and close the doors, guys. Close doors there, Larry. Thank you. We know that we can worship at a- any time throughout the week, 24 hours a day. But to set, have a day set aside that we can uh, come and worship him uh, is a blessing. And let's don't miss the privilege, the opportunity we have to do that. So I'm going to say a prayer. And then, um, and then we'll stand and begin our worship together. Father God, we come to you this morning. First of all, with thanksgiving, Lord, thanksgiving in our hearts, and and we come to you with praise and adoration, and we thank you, Lord, for your Son Jesus Christ. Lord, we also come to you today with humility. We come to today, Lord, acknowledging that we are weak, that we are feeble that we are human beings, Lord, who are in need of your grace and your love and your mercy and your strength. But we know, Lord, when we come into these doors, Father, that we can find you here. And I pray, God, that uh, regardless of how well we came prepared to worship you today, Father, that your Holy Spirit would speak to us. May we not miss the opportunity to hear from you. You have a a particular word, you have a message for us this morning. You want to say something to us, and Lord, give us open ears, open minds, and open hearts to hear what you have for us today, God. We love you, we thank you, we look forward to this time together, and we look forward to this time in your presence. For it's in your Son, Jesus' name we pray, amen. We're going to begin this morning by singing together, found in you.
1: Story is found.
0: in him this morning amen amen we're going to read together this uh, call to worship psalm 73 26 and we read these words from the new living translation my health may fail and my spirit may grow weak but god remains the strength of my heart he is mine forever would you say amen to that this morning amen he is mine forever let's sing together this song, this hymn that we all know. Come Thou Fount.
1: Come Thou Fount of every blessing Tune my heart to sing Thy praise Streams of mercy never ceasing Call for songs of loudest praise Teach me some melodious sonnet sung by flaming tongues above. Praise the mountain, big upon on it, Mount of thy redeeming love. Here I by thy help i come and i hope by thy good pleasure safely to arrive at home wandering brought me when a stranger wandering from the fold of god he to rescue me from danger interposed his precious God of glory, God of glory, voice of thunder, split the cedars, bring us under, oh the shadow of your wings, you give us grace, you give us peace. Oh to grace, oh to grace, how a debtor daily i'm constrained to be let thy grace lord like a feather find my wandering heart to thee prone to wonder lord i feel it prone to leave a god i love here's my heart lord Take and seal it, seal it for thy courts above. God of glory, God of glory, voice of thunder, split the cedar, bring us under. Oh, the shadow of your wings, you give us peace, you give us peace. So to grace oh to grace how great a debtor daily i'm constrained to be let thy grace lord like a better bind my wandering heart to thee prone to wonder lord i feel it prone to leave Here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Here's my heart. Here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts of
0: Amen, amen. Let's continue singing. My hope is built on nothing less.
1: built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. Sing that again. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. Christ alone, Christ alone, cornerstone, weak made strong in the Savior's love. So stormy gale my anchor holds within the veil is that true this morning my anchor holds within the veil The Savior's love.
2: often as you are seated, remain in that posture of worship this morning. Um, We're going to go into a time of prayer, and I just have to tell you, I'm sure that song was on my heart this morning as I processed a million, what seemed like a million different things popping up today. Um, That song was just like ringing in my head. I think surely I heard the, the praise team starting to practice it this morning, even though I didn't even really realize that I was hearing it, and so as I was driving kind of unexpectedly in between service and Sunday school, I just was singing that song because uh, if you look around, you might notice there's a lot of people missing today, and, and that is going to just be a little hint to, to you this morning that there is a lot going on in the life of our church um, and I, I shared a few weeks ago that um, as we were worshiping, I had some friends heavy on my heart, and I felt like in that morning I was interceding for them, I was worshiping for them as they maybe couldn't <laughs> feel in their hearts to fully worship themselves, and I was reminded of that story of Moses when when Aaron comes up beside and holds his arms up because he gets tired of holding his arms up, but when his arms are up, God is moving and working, right? And I felt that again this morning, and so as as Cornerstone popped into my head, I'm all over the place, I know, as Cornerstone popped into my head, I was thinking about everyone, who I've heard from today, who has got something going on. I'm going to share with you guys so that you can be praying. And I just was singing those words for them. And so because I feel like so many of our friends who are going through stuff are probably watching online this morning, I just want to take a moment and acknowledge them and let them know that I sang these words in belief for you guys who are going through difficult, hard times I just want you to repeat to yourself, if you have to, that when darkness seems to hide his face and when we feel like we can't see God, we rest on the grace and the truth of what we know about our good God, that he is our cornerstone, that things happen in life that shake us, that move us, but he is our steady rock. And so this morning, I'm going to ask you all, as we go into a time of prayer, to be praying for your church family. We've got a lot of, of church family today that are just going through some hard times. I want you to continue to pray for Gabe and Nikki. Um, just, I won't go into all of it today, but it's just been one thing after another since this year. Because, since before Christmas, when they, uh, after Christmas, since they left, it's just been one thing after another, and they're just going through a lot. So would you pray for Gabe and for Nikki this morning? Thank you uh, to Rick and to the team for kind of jumping in at the last minute as they weren't able to be here. Um, We appreciate you guys, but let's pray for Gabe and Nikki this morning. Um, Marcella Qualls, Uh, you'll notice that Karen and Mike and Marcella are gone. Uh, She took a fall yesterday afternoon while she was walking outside. She walks every day that she can, and she fell, and she has fractured her hip. And so they are in the hospital this morning. Um, she's doing okay for now. I know she's hanging in there. Karen said that she's in pretty good spirits, but we can all imagine that that's a lot. It's a lot for everyone. And so um, let's be praying for them this morning, right, as, as they're figuring out what to do next and, and what the next step is for her. We're going to be praying and interceding for them this morning. Um, Cam Dorney, who, you know, she moved um, a couple months ago to Mattoon, but she did reach out and said that she would love for her church family to uh, pray for her. She has an MRI on Tuesday, um, and she is also seeing the neurosurgeon on January 23rd. A lot of you guys might remember that she's been dealing with some significant health issues for, for months now, for a long time, and so she's slowly been able to have these doctor's appointments to get answers, and so I assured her that even though we don't see her in person every week, I know she tunes in online a lot, I assured her that we are praying for her, Amen. Uh, continue to pray for Stu Leach. He's recovering from COVID. He's doing okay, I think, but let's just continue to pray for him this morning and just pray for Ellie Flynn as she's dealing with some sickness and some, some small things there that I think she's doing okay now, but let's just pray for healing for her and for recovery and all of that. Um, let's just be praying, and, and those are, are just the ones I know about. <laughs> I, I know there's probably a lot more going on that, that I'm not even aware of, And so this morning, I just, I feel just an urgency, family, to be um, interceding and to pray for our brothers and sisters this morning. So um, would you join me as we pray? God, we just pause in this moment. We just pause to be still. We take a a deep breath and we just wait for you, Lord. Lord. God, we know that your spirit is is present in this place with us. God, we know that that you um, were concerned with all of these things going on before we even knew of them, God. We know that none of, of this is surprising to you, God, that you were already there in those moments with these folks who are dealing with just significant issues today. And God, our hearts are just are heavy and and burdened this morning as we just think of all of those who are are gone and and who are struggling, God, and we just pause and and together we come together as a body. We come together as the communal uh, people of God and we intercede for one another in these moments and we lift these individuals up to you and their families today. God, we just pray that you would be with Marcella this morning. Lord, I just pray that you would give her an overwhelming sense of peace and and comfort as you are with her, as you are, are near, and as you are... Uh, concerned with the healing of her body, God, and we just pray, Lord, for for wisdom and and for direction, for the doctors, for their family, God, as they just come together to decide what's best to do for Marcella's healing and recovery. God, we just pray for strength for for Karen and for Mike and for all of of Karen's siblings, Lord. God, we just pray that you would unite them as they are all spread out across uh, the country, that you would just unite them, Lord. God, would you just comfort them, bring them a sense of peace. And God, we just trust that you will touch Marcella, that you will be near her, God, that she will know without a doubt that you are, are holding her steady through all of this. God, we pray that you would be her cornerstone today. Where we pray for Gabe and Nikki. It has been an incredibly difficult start to this year for them, God. And we just acknowledge um, just some some pain that they're dealing with and some heartache. And and God, we just pray that you would strengthen their spirits. God, um, as I just imagine that they are just feeling a little bit overwhelmed at, at just one thing after another, God, I pray that they would see and recognize that you are their cornerstone that you are not hidden, that you are indeed present in the midst of their mess, in the midst of their struggles, in the midst of their heartache. God, I pray that they would see you and that they would feel your presence. God, we miss them, and I pray that they would know that they are loved and that they are missed by their church family. God, we just pray this morning for Pam. And Lord, I know it's been a long season of of trying to find answers for the different health issues that she's had going on. God, you have kept her, uh, you have helped her during this time in the midst of, of unknowns and lots and lots of waiting. You have been with her and you have helped keep her steady. And so God, I just pray that you would continue to do that. I pray, Lord, that with these upcoming appointments, we pray for answers God, we pray for some kind of direction so that she can at least know what's coming. And God, in the midst of of whatever happens there, I pray for peace for Pam. Would you continue to be her cornerstone? Help her to know that you are with her, God. Lord, we pray for those who are just at home recovering from, from just random sicknesses. God, we remember Stu today. God, we pray that you be with him. We pray that you would be with Ellie today. Lord, we pray for Nora this morning. Would you draw near to them, just touch their bodies and help them to recover? And for anyone else in our congregation that we may not know about who is at home dealing with sickness or who has significant uh, troubles in their life right now, God, you know them, you see them, you are with them. God, would you help them to know that you are with them and that you are their cornerstone. God, we give you praise. We give you praise that even as we go through troubling times, even, as, even though there are mornings where it, it is literally one thing after another, God, I praise you that in the midst of chaos, that you are still good and that you are are present and you make yourself known. And I just thank you, God, that you give us the the strength and the ability to to see that you are still with us even as we are struggling to see you, to feel you, to know your presence, God. God, I just thank you that it's in those moments where we feel like we are, are, are losing our grip. God, it's in those moments when we desperately seek you and we do find you, and we find a sweet, comforting spirit that meets us in moments of chaos. God, would you just continue to be that sweet presence this morning for us here and for those who are watching from various places today. God, as we open up your word, I pray that you would just speak to our hearts. It's a very poignant ask this morning that you would help us to be teachable today, that you would help us to be uh, sensitive and open to hearing whatever your your spirit, your Holy Spirit wants to teach us. God, help us not to be defensive or, or in denial, but help us to, to truly hear from you. And God, we just thank you for your faithfulness and your goodness, and we praise you Today, we love you, Lord, we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let me turn these. Oh, we got it. You got it? Thank you, Greg. Man, it's just amazing when things are chaotic and all over the place. I just thank you for folks who just step in and pick the ball up and keep going. I'm so thankful for that today. That's a true gift. Um, Well, today we are going to start a new sermon series. Um, This is going to be a five-week sermon series. As you can see on the screen, it's called Deserted Disciplines. Now, this is a series, I'm going to try to be quick. I have On the first week of any series, it feels like there's so much to say, and, and I'm going to try to be quick and, and smooth as I share everything I want to share. But um, this is a sermon series that I could easily spend a significant amount of time covering. There's so many things that I think we could touch on, um, but because Lent if you can believe it, the season of Lent is right around the corner, and so this series is going to lead us until uh, the first week of Lent, and so it's just going to be a short five-week sermon series. However, I could easily see this in, uh, unfolding into like a part two, a part three, and so this one may pop up from time to time as I think, again, there is so much here. But but th- for this sermon series, um, I-, I want you to think about this morning before we dive too far in And I want you to think about spiritual disciplines or spiritual practices that are a part of your regular, everyday life. What are some spiritual disciplines or spiritual practices that are a regular part of your journey as you follow Jesus? Maybe some easy, quick ones that come to mind are are disciplines and practices like prayer. Right? I hope that prayer is a regular part of our journey. Maybe for some of you, it's fasting. Fasting is one that, that we don't like openly talk about too too terribly much with other people, but maybe for you, fasting is a regular discipline. It's a regular part of your journey. I think of ones that we've talked about fairly recently, like confession and examine. Those are, are they tend to be a little more taboo in certain traditions but I think they're important, they're needed. We need to open ourselves up before God, examine our hearts, and then probably confess something to him, right? These are important. These are hopefully a part of our regular journey with Christ. But think about that. Maybe jot them down. Uh, In your bulletins, you're gonna have on the back some notes, a place for notes, which we always have, but these are gonna be specific to this series and if you have some space there, just maybe jot them down so that you can acknowledge what are the disciplines in my everyday life. And then, friends, you'll be able to throughout this series understand if these are indeed deserted or neglected for you. Right? So the goal of this series, the goal of this series is to seriously contemplate the disciplines that are either a part of our journey in our, our walk with Christ, or maybe those that are neglected or deserted right and i want us to kind of focus on some that are so important and meaningful and valuable but sometimes they just they're neglected or they're deserted and my prayer the ultimate goal here my prayer is that we would allow the holy spirit to expand our imagination and that through this we would be able to see and experience god in new and powerful ways Maybe for some of you, it'll be a brand new, unheard of, or unthinkable discipline that you just never thought about, but maybe for some of you, it'll just be a refresher or reminder of, wow, yeah, I remember doing this at one time, but I need to to kind of foster that practice again. I think it's important as we begin this series to share a little bit of, of wisdom Adele Alberg Calhoun, she's an author, and and she writes a lot about spiritual disciplines or practices. That's the inspiration behind this series. But she says this, and I think it's important that we keep this in mind, okay? She says, a spiritual practice isn't magic, right? It's not going to change you by itself, but it puts you in a place to partner with the Holy Spirit to become an ever-fresh representative of Christ, She says, spiritual rhythms help us to contemplate the face of God in Christ Jesus. So as we um, enter into the series, my prayer is that you will keep that in mind, that none of these are just going to magically change everything for you, but the, the hope in the prayer is that we will be able to see and experience God in new and powerful ways in our lives. Okay, so... Uh, don't count that against me for the rest of the sermon time, because that was just necessary explanation. And so now the sermon's actually beginning, so we're just going to not count that as a part, okay? Otherwise, you're going to be real frustrated with, with the time of the sermon today, the length of the sermon. Um, you've probably heard this. I feel like we hear this pretty often, that they say that knowledge is power, Yes, is that something that we hear, something that we maybe say or believe, that, that knowledge is power? And, and whether or not we totally believe that, I think we can at least agree that we like to be in the know. We like to have knowledge. We like to receive information. And as time goes on, especially in our society, as time goes on, we have those little computers that we carry around in our pockets that help us to receive information quicker and and, and more specified to the things that we want to learn, right? And And we can know anything at any time. Like, that is terrifying in some aspects that we could know anything at any time. Some things are good to know, some things I'm not sure if it's helpful or not, but I think this has only, uh, this has caused us to, to grow more and more dependent upon knowledge and receiving knowledge. And I'm certainly not implying that knowledge is a bad thing that we shouldn't seek to be knowledge, to be more knowledgeable, that we shouldn't seek to learn anything new. But let's just acknowledge that if knowledge is power, then a lot of times we are searching for knowledge to become more maybe powerful in some ways, to feel more superior, overly confident, right? And that can cause some issues, which we'll talk about. I think for Christians, let's kind of narrow it down to to us, to Christians, I think sometimes we are are hungry for spiritual and religious knowledge that can make us feel spiritually superior, right? It can help us to feel like we are good, we are God's golden children, and we've got it all figured out, and now if we could just get the rest of the world to to figure it all out like we have figured it all out, then we'd be doing good. If they would just get on board and, and know all the things that we know, so perfectly well, then we'd probably be in a lot better shape, right? You see what I'm doing there? I think that that, that kind of is easy for us Christians. And, and here's why I think that, because it was certainly true for the Pharisees, right? I know, we're, we're going back there again, <laughs> We're going back to the Pharisees again. We've talked about them a lot in the past year. But this was certainly true for the Pharisees, that, that they were hungry for knowledge. They were hungry for knowledge, and, and specifically, I think they were hungry for knowledge because for them, truly, knowledge was power. It, truly, for them, in their setting, in their day, knowledge was power. We read in the Gospels that the religious leaders were described as experts in the law. Right. This is referring to the Old Testament scriptures, the, the Hebrew scriptures, or the Torah, as they called it. And, and they were experts. They were seen and revered as experts in the law, and they held substantial power because of this knowledge. In a few moments, we'll read today's text, and it comes from John chapter 5. If you have your Bibles or your Bible apps on your devices, you could go ahead and open up to John chapter 5 because the story kind of begins to unfold at the beginning of chapter 5, right? If you, if you look at the beginning of chapter 5, you'll see that, that Jesus has just healed the invalid who has sat for years at the pool of Bethesda. That was a, that's a pretty a well-known passage. And so Jesus comes to, to this invalid, and he asks him if he wants to get well, and he heals him in that moment. But, oh, strike one, it was a Sabbath, Right? Jesus healed on the Sabbath. And we've talked about that at length. We understand how problematic it was for the Pharisees that Jesus healed on the Sabbath. And so, but strike one, John chapter five, healed on the Sabbath. To add to the Pharisees' disgust, Jesus begins to make a defense for himself in verse 17 of chapter five. And he says to them, My Father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. Hang with me. It's going to be a lot. And so strike two, now this Jesus is calling God his father, and he's claiming to be equal with God. Strike two, something is up here. This is not right, and something is wrong with this Jesus character. And it gets a little more interesting as we move along in chapter 5. When you get to verses 33 through 37, Jesus begins talking about testimonies that have been made about himself, okay? And it's unclear if Jesus is talking about God testifying about who he is or if he's talking about the gospel writer John, who has testified, or I'm sorry, John the Baptist, who has testified as to who he is. But regardless, Jesus is saying that there are those who have testified as to who he is and what he's doing. If you go back to John chapter one, this is a lot of information, and I'm trusting that you can handle it and keep up, right? In John chapter one, the Jewish leaders sent priests and Levites to John the Baptist, Don't get confused with all the Johns and my mixing them up. They send priests and Levites to John the Baptist to inquire about what is happening, right? John, what are you talking about? What is going on? Who is this person you keep talking about? Is he Elijah Is he a prophet? They're inquiring about what is going on. And in this moment, this is so important, in this moment, in chapter 1, John responds to them. And he specifically references Isaiah, right? Isaiah, with whom the Jewish leaders ought to be very familiar. Because they're experts. They're experts in the law. They're experts in the Hebrew scriptures. They ought to know Who is this? What is Isaiah talking about? And so John quotes Isaiah saying, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. All of this and the Pharisees are failing moment after moment to see what was taking place before their very eyes. And so Jesus goes on to say, in this dialogue, this is a long discourse, and, and John is known, the gospel writer John, is known for his long discourses. And a lot of times I think we're scared of the long discourses, and so I think a lot of times the church kind of stays away from them, but we're diving right in. we just got to go quick. But this is in the midst of, of a long discourse that our passage is situated in today. And Jesus goes on to, to kind of get onto the Pharisees a little bit and saying, you pay so much attention to Moses and to Moses' teachings. And friends, Moses talked about me. And yet you are not paying attention to that little detail. You are failing to see what even Moses said, who you highly, highly regard. And so because you might be overwhelmed and tuning out, I'm going to ask you if you're able to to stand this morning as we read kind of our key passage found in John 5, John chapter five, verses 39 through 40. In the midst of all of this that I just kind of quickly shared, Jesus says this, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them, you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. Friends, this is a challenging word of the Lord this morning, but if you're thankful, would you say thanks be to God? Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Just a little quick, get the blood flowing so you can keep up because it's a lot. I, I acknowledge that. I confess that this morning. There are so many things, and this is not new information, okay? So bear with me. I know this is not new information for a room full of, of Long time Christians, but let's acknowledge again that there are so many things that are tragic about the fact that the Pharisees failed to really see and know Jesus when he was in their midst, right? But perhaps one of the most tragic of all is that the Old Testament, the the Torah, which they were so familiar with, pointed to God incarnate, to what God was going to do in and through Jesus. And it was important. Like, their key to understanding everything that has ever happened is seen in Jesus. It's tragic when you miss Jesus and when Jesus is going to unlock so many things for you, right? Scholar Trimper Longman says it like this. He says, Christ is the key that unlocks the deeper meaning of the Old Testament. He is the interpretive lens through which all scripture must be viewed. And so therefore, it's truly tragic that so many missed him. Even those who, as we've just said, made it their job. They dedicated. When I say they dedicated their life, I need you to understand every single moment of their life was dedicated to understanding the scripture's perfectly. Did you know, a lot of you probably know this, that the Pharisees actually contained, like at any given moment, they had scripture on them, that they would attach scrolls to themselves, like under their robes, you know, kind of tucked away, and they could just pull it out at any moment. And I'd like to imagine that it wasn't just in moments of rebuke, or in moments of criticism, well, let me just tell you what this says and how wrong you are and how misguided you are, but maybe there were times when that was used for good. But this was serious business for these guys, for these men, for these religious leaders, and it makes it so devastating that as well as they knew the scriptures, as much knowledge as they had, they still missed Jesus. And so one might wonder, we might wonder, how, why? And I think Jesus hits the nail on the head as, as we just read in this passage. One might wonder, perhaps they missed the source of life, the source to understanding everything. Perhaps they missed him because they made it their job to understand scripture so much so that they believed that scripture led them to eternal life. Can you say that again, I believe that they missed the source of life because they believed that these scriptures would give them eternal life. And in our passage, I believe Jesus strongly indicates that they are misguided. Don't miss this. Because in this passage, Jesus says, you study the scriptures diligently because you think. You think that in them, you have eternal life. You think that everything you need is in these words. And even though these words are significant, man, they're significant. They are important, but they're only as important as, as much as you understand what they are saying and what they mean, right? And yet you think that they have eternal life and so you've missed life, the source of life that stands before you. Not to get too um, nerdy, but the Greek word that Jesus uses for study in that passage means to diligently study. And, and those who are much more skilled in the Greek language than I am say that that's actually a technical term that is used specifically for rabbis and their study, that it does not at all suggest spiritual penetration, but meticulous analysis. Are you with me? All of this studying, all of this dedicating one's life to to becoming more knowledgeable in the scriptures, experts in the law, and yet they profoundly missed God's revelation in Christ Jesus. But there's hope. There's hope because we see this glimmer of hope, okay? Stay with me. We see this glimmer of hope. I think maybe there's even more than what we read about, but we read about at least one among the Pharisees who was paying attention, who was a little bit open to what God was doing, who was, who was paying attention and who was uh, listening to Jesus and, and, and openly listening to Jesus, so much so that he saw something different than what the rest of the Pharisees saw. We're talking about Nicodemus, who John talks about in chapter 3. And Nicodemus is the Pharisee who comes to Jesus in the secret of night and says, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. So we applaud the Pharisee who was paying attention, who was not convinced by all of the other Pharisees that this was something evil, that Jesus was anybody other than God in the flesh. Later on in John chapter 7, we read something else regarding Nicodemus. This is an important moment. This is all important, I promise. Nicodemus is is confronting the rest of the Pharisees, okay? Okay. This is like one of those episodes where they keep going back in time, and it's like you don't know where they're at. Are they past or present? And I feel like I'm doing that to you this morning. You're like, wait, where are we? What's happening? I didn't drink enough coffee. But I hope that you're following along. Later on in John 7, Nicodemus is having a moment where he's kind of pushing back against the Pharisees, right? Because they are teaching everyone else. They are convinced this Jesus is misguided. He is evil. He is not who he says he is. You do not need to listen to him. Ultimately, we got to get rid of him. And Nicodemus, who is among them, pushes back and he's openly kind of critiquing them in John chapter 7. And the Pharisees respond with this. They say, uh, John says, Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus earlier and who was one of their own number asked, Nicodemus says, does our law condemn a man without first hearing him to find out what he has been doing? Like he's pushing back, like you're not exactly following the law, you guys. And they replied with this, oh, I'm going to read it in the, in the kind of the dialect that I think it was delivered because it's important. I believe they said it like this, oh, Nicodemus are you from Galilee to look into it and you will find that the prophet does not come out of Galilee? That is their response. That's straight scripture in John chapter seven, go find it. But they, they respond to Nicodemus like, oh, poor Nicodemus, I think you are so misguided. In this response, I mean, this is an insult, by the way, and you see a little bit of regional prejudice as they insult Nicodemus, saying that, that from because of where he may or may not be from, that he is misunderstanding what the scripture is saying, even though it was their own prejudice that kept them from seeing that what Nicodemus was saying was actually correct. Do you see the problem here? Do you see where this ought to make us pause, that so often, in the church especially, we hear something that pushes up against something else that we've always believed or understood, and without giving it any thought, any prayer, any listening, any openness, we push up against it and just assume that we are correct and that, that we don't need to relearn or learn anything new. Do you see how, how that's what's happening here? Maybe you're wondering this morning, like, wh- I appreciate all of this you know, patchwork that you've done here, but what does this have to do with us? Maybe you're wondering this morning, this feels irrelevant because I've already accepted Jesus. You don't understand. I'm not like the Pharisees. I haven't missed Jesus. I see where the Pharisees were wrong, and I see Jesus for who he is, and I've accepted him. Pastor Nicole, I don't understand where you're going with this. And what I would say to you, and I'm not directing this toward any particular person, but I would caution all of us when it comes to this thinking, because I think that you As a Christian, you can call yourself a saved, justified, sanctified, holified Christian if you want to. I just made that last one up, but I think we would claim that. And still completely miss Jesus. You can call yourself all the fives and still miss Jesus. You can still not know him and call yourself a, a holy, sanctified Christian. We said earlier that that knowledge is appealing, it's attractive. We delight in being informed. And yet, as we see here playing out in the Gospels, we see that we can have access to all the important information and still find ourselves in desperate need of of transformation and formation. See? See? I like how, again, I'm going to quote Adele Alberg Calhoun, and she warns us. She says, we can always use information to simply reinforce our own opinions and biases. And I think we see that in this example. We see precedence for this in Scripture. Here's what I want the Christian, if you've missed everything else this morning, this part probably won't, you won't appreciate it as much. But what I want us to understand today Is that Jesus was not impressed with people who possessed all the knowledge? Jesus was not impressed, if anything, I think he was completely skeptical and rebuking of those who claim to know everything. What we see throughout the Gospels in particular is that Jesus looked for teachable people, he delighted, go through the Gospels. Who does Jesus draw near to? Who is Jesus interested in talking with and and inviting them to follow him? He delighted in those who asked honest questions. He was attracted to those who willingly acknowledged how much they didn't know and understand. He was grieved and dumbfounded by the educated who were prideful, hard-hearted, and unteachable. So, all that to say, the deserted discipline sometimes that ought to be learned or remembered in this case is teachability. The desire for the Christian who is teachable, but I would also say humble, is that they would constantly remain open to the fresh wind of the Holy Spirit, And sometimes that is going to confront things that you previously understood or believed, but maybe that was misguided. Maybe. Not always, but maybe. The invitation for the Christian here is to be teachable, to be open, regardless of who you are, who the teacher is, regardless of what the lesson or the experience may be. For us, every person in this room, including myself, 100%, the question will always, should always and forever be, am I open to learn from God regardless of how and what he wants to teach? How teachable are you? Truly, this is a moment to be brutally honest with yourself. How teachable are you? Do you hide behind your knowledge? Do you hide behind this belief that you've been a Christian your whole life and you understand everything in the correct way? Everything you've ever been taught by another human being, by the way, is perfectly correct and needs no correcting at all. Do we feel uncomfortable being a learner or being taught or corrected by someone else, does that make you uncomfortable and frustrated? Do you feel uncomfortable learning from your spouse, being open to what he or she may. Some of you just made a really obvious <laughs> turnover to your spouse. <laughs> I'm not going to say who, but. <laughs> that was really poetic. <laughs> Are you open and willing to learn from your spouse, from your kids? Ooh, that one's hard for me. My kids have taught me a lot. I probably haven't apologized to anyone more than I've apologized to my own kids because they are constantly humbling me and teaching me. Are you open to being taught by someone who is younger than you? That one's really hard as well. How teachable are we? Friends, are you comfortable being the student or the learner again and again and again and again? Jesus is not looking for disciples who know it all. Jesus is looking for teachable disciples. And if we refuse to be teachable and humble and open to to lifelong learning in the Spirit, then I'm afraid that we are in danger of missing the Holy Spirit at work and how he wants to transform and shape us. Each week, um, I'm going to share with you kind of some practicalities of each of these disciplines, right? And again, remember today haven't gone very long because that first part was just special for the series, but each week I'm going to share with you kind of some practicalities of what this looks like in hopes that it will help you to better understand what this could look like for you in your life and maybe, maybe how you might be missing it and what good can come from that. So each week, bear with me, I feel like a a boring teacher at this point, but each week, we're going to talk about the practices of what each discipline looks like. So for um, teachability, what does a teachable disciple look like? And this is not an exhaustive list, by the way, right? But it's an openness, uh, an appropriate openness to new ideas, opinions, and styles. Take note of that word, appropriate, Right? We're not saying that in every situation from now until the rest of your life that you need to, to throw everything out, that, that you need to relearn everything, right? An appropriate openness to new thoughts, new ideas, new styles. That goes with teaching, worship, ways that you are, are soaking up information about God, being open to, to new and different people, right? So that's one practice of what teachability looks like. Another one is, is curbing this know-it-all attitude, right? Like trying to move away from this prideful, like I know everything there is to know about this. And so we're going to try to kind of curb that a little bit. Another practice of teachability is asking questions that lead to a deeper awareness of God, acknowledging that there's a lot you don't know, and so we should ask Questions that lead us to a deeper awareness of God. Another one is listening more and talking less. I was watching a new episode of The Chosen this week of the new season, and I really appreciated when James was coming to Jesus, and he was asking him about something, and he, he said something along the lines of, I, I don't talk as much as the rest of the disciples. I don't, I don't have much to say. And I love Jesus' kind of like quick little um, quirky remark to, to James when he says, ah, oh, slow to speak. That's a good quality to have, right? And we know that we are instructed to be slow to speak. And in this case, it's good to listen more and to talk less. And finally, uh, for practices, refraining from snap judgments. So this is just an idea of what it looks like to be teachable, how you can implement this practice. And so then we might ask, why is this important? Why does this matter? Why do I need to be teachable And one of the things I would say about that is because the Holy Spirit is always doing a new thing. Amen? God is is always working to redeem and renew creation, and he does that in and through his people. And if God is always working and always moving, then we need to have an openness to how and when God is working and what he is doing. So so a God-given or a, a practice is... No, I am totally. A God-given fruit is an openness, right? You can see God's fruit when you find that you are more open. Another one is being a more perceptive listener. You're a more eager learner. That's another beauty that can come from this. Developing humility. You're going to become more humble and and more teachable, and that's going to be a good thing that's going to continue to develop. Becoming aware of a hardness of heart and an unwillingness to learn and grow. This is problematic for a Christian. It's problematic when when we become hard-hearted and we are unwilling to learn and grow, and I would add to that, change. It's hard for us to change. It's realizing that you don't know it all and that you don't have everything right. Friends, this is to be celebrated. It's a good thing when the Christian can say, I don't know it all. I don't have it all figured out. It gives you the ability to say, hey, I'm sorry I messed up because you're gonna, right? It gives you the ability to say, can you help me? Or, or what do you think about this? Because friends, that's good. It's good, for say, it's good for us to say, can you help me? Oh, that's so helpful. That changes a lot. Thank you, right? Another fruit is becoming a lifelong learner, always learning from God and growing. Another one, freedom from attachment to your opinions, your words, and your own authority, and instead an attachment to Jesus and his love for others. Can I just confess this morning that I've been a Christian for about 30 years now, a little less than 30 years now, and I can can specifically attest to the fact that there is something freeing about letting go of a lot of things that you picked up along the way. There is something freeing about this ability to say, you know what, I understand that that's something that I've learned my whole life, but that's not biblical, that's not Jesus, and that is not how I'm going to live as a Christian. And that is freeing. It's freeing to say, this is how Jesus is instructing me to live, and if that pushes up against something I was taught at one time, I'm okay with that. It is what it is. That's a good thing. A lot of folks in my generation are comfortable with that, and I celebrate it. It can be taken to an extreme. It can become damaging. Certainly, it can cause one to walk away altogether. But we're not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater. It's okay to, to feel empowered to say, this is how Jesus calls me to live. All right, moving on. You get it. And finally, freedom to resist being the teacher in social settings. You know who you are. In any kind of social setting, you have the opportunity to be the one to speak and to teach and to correct, you're gonna. But a, a God-given fruit is that there is no, there's freedom in always being that person. And then finally, each week, um, we'll talk about what it looks like to kind of flex this spiritual muscle. What, what are some exercises that we can do to implement the practice of teachability? And one, I would say, certainly study some of the paradoxes of scriptures right? Really study some of those hard uh, sayings in scripture. There's a lot. We won't even go into it, but, but we can talk more about that another time. Um, another way to kind of flex this muscle is to ask, when have you learned something from someone who wasn't an authority or an expert? I think I got off on one. This is where it's a little problematic. Okay, here we go. Um, Another one, become aware of your compulsions to let others know what you think. Notice when you are composing what you will say next rather than listening to the one who is speaking. Choose a spiritual discipline that addresses a desire for growth. And finally, and this one might be the most important one, I think, for, for you to kind of practice this. Ask some people who know you best. That's key. Ask people whom you trust and who know you best to let you know how you come across. Do they think that you are open and teachable? Do you tend to instruct people to set them right? How do people feel about disagreeing with you? If you're really brave, you can ask someone who knows you best to answer these questions, and maybe that will give you some indication of of how this practice is at work in your life. All right. I'm going to go back and watch this later, and we're going to find, like, what I need to get rid of because I just feel like that was a lot. Uh, And so I'll kind of work on perfecting the delivery here for for this series. But I'm going to invite the praise team to come, and I want to tell you a really funny story as they're coming. This is a true story. Um, About a week ago, I was speaking with... um, A mentor, uh, someone who is kind of coaching me as I'm, uh, you know, just navigating being a a lead pastor and all the things that come along with that. And so one of the things we were talking about is, you know, what's something that you want to work on? What's something you want to get better at? And I said, I know this is kind of silly, maybe in the grand scheme of things, but one of the things that frustrates me is I have a hard time coming up with good illustrations, especially compared to other pastors. When I listen to other pastors, it's like they have this perfect, brilliant illustration for every sermon. And it's like little everyday life things that they're like, ooh, that's a sermon. And it's like, I look for them, but I have a hard time finding them. And so I said, I wanna get better at illustrations, coming up with my own practical, real-life illustrations. No joke, one week ago. Yesterday, we went skiing, I have some family in town and so we went over to Eureka and we went skiing at Hidden Valley. And I wanted to get better and more confident at skiing and so I approached the top of that, you know, mountain, but really big hill, right? And I'm like looking down and Bo is there with me and I'm trying to face this fear because last time it did not go well and I'm determined to make it. I'm determined to get down this mountain with my skis still attached to me in some way. And so we're, we're starting to make our way down. We don't get very far and I've already fallen multiple times and I'm like having flashbacks of last year when this happened, right? And I, I get very over, I'm getting overwhelmed, I'm getting flustered and tears just start falling because I'm just like, I am so mad at myself for doing this, right? And I just felt like the biggest idiot in the world. And so we're there and he's just being a comforting, patient presence as I get it together and figure out what my next move is. And out of nowhere comes this expert skier guy, he looks like an expert anyways, this older gentleman who acted like he's known me for my whole life and he just starts giving me all of these tips. And he's like giving me practical tips. And and when I start to try something, he's like, no, nope, you need to take that foot out and put that one in. now. You need to kick the snow off, and, and you might want to move out of her way. And you know, just giving us all these tips. And do you know what? It was so helpful. It was so helpful, and it truly kind of changed the trajectory of my day. And it was at one point as the day was drawing to a close and I was coming down the mountain and and successfully without falling, when I thought, okay, this was a a teachable moment. This was a moment where I had to be the recipient of, of something that I was frustrated with, but I knew I needed. But God, really, that's the illustration that you choose first? That's the great illustration that I'm going to use. I had to be like the, the, the little person who just couldn't figure this out and felt so stupid. Okay, I'll take it. So there you go. There's my illustration for this week. I, I had to remain humble and teachable even though I was so frustrated with myself, with everyone else. And, and, and it turned out to be really good. Friends, it's good for us to acknowledge that there's so much we don't know, there's so much we don't have figured out, and God just wants to continue to enlighten us and to open our hearts. So before we respond in, in a, through this song, I'm going to invite you to pray. God, as we have unpacked so much this morning, I just pray that you would help us to, to just see what it is you're trying to teach us today. And God, I I just feel strongly that for so many Christians, it's easy for us to become prideful. It's easy for us to be confident in all the knowledge we obtain. It's easy for us, God, to make others feel small and insignificant because there's so much that they don't know and there's so much that we know. But God, I just ask that you would humble us, all of us this morning. Help all of us to realize that you are continually teaching us and guiding us into new life. And that's going to require us to be open and humble and teachable. So God, as we seek to be a teachable disciple, would you just give us the grace? Give us grace, God, that your Holy Spirit freely offers. And God, would you help us to be intentional as we practice the spiritual discipline of teachability. It's in your name we pray. Amen.
0: We're going to sing together, Jesus. We love you.
1: All things have
0: passed oh. like to stand go ahead your
1: love has stayed the same your constant grace remains the cornerstone things that we thought your Son. in you.
2: thank you that that love that we can declare is in response to your love for us that we can respond to your grace that meets us here again that we don't have to hear this message and walk away feeling like a wretched broken sinful mess that is irredeemable god But God, instead, we can hear this message with openness and we can hear this word with openness and we can respond to your grace that simply wants to just make us new. And most importantly, it helps us to see you and all that you are doing in our life and in the lives of those around us. So God, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your love. And we thank you, God, that because You want us to be an open, humble, teachable people that your Holy Spirit will help us to be exactly that. And so we just welcome, we welcome that correction and that guidance so that we might be teachable. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. I'm gonna uh, let most of the praise team go back to their seats and we're gonna, you may be seated. We're gonna transition into a time of communion right now and um, I appreciate how as I was thinking about this passage um, and well, this, this whole idea of teachability that um, it, it's an important reminder as we gather together at the table because we oftentimes talk about communion as this is a time where we the church Imagine ourselves around a giant table and we're coming to the table together, right? We are coming arm in arm alongside one another, recognizing our need for God's grace. And this is our receiving God's grace. And I appreciated how one of the things I read, I promise, I'm just going to share this and we'll go into it. But I appreciate how, how one scholar said about the text that we read, that this text calls the church to theological contemplation which is far more common in communal worship settings than in private scripture study. Scripture reading is not just for informing action, but also for the forming belief and worship. Jesus claims that knowing him should result in honoring him as we honor the Father, worshiping him as we worship the Father. But the thing I want you to take from that is that we work on this as a community, that being together gives us a a better sense of who Jesus is and what he's trying to teach us. So don't go out and try to be teachable on your own. I don't think you could. But look around and acknowledge who is walking with you on this journey. These are the ones who will teach us. These are the ones we can learn from, friends. And so I want you to really appreciate that as you come to the table together this morning. So in just a moment, your row will be dismissed by an usher, and I'm going to have Bo down here, and I will be down here, and you are invited to come when you are dismissed. And as always, I encourage you to come with your your hands open just as a tangible reminder that this is God's grace that we are in need of, and this is what we come receiving. And you do not have to be a member to receive communion here at BFCN. BFCN. We tell everyone every week that if you recognize your need for God's grace, you're welcome to come and receive it. Hold on to your elements as you take them back to your seat, and once everyone has been served, we will serve together. We will partake together. First, I'm going to ask if anyone is unable to come forward that you would slip up your hand, and I will come and serve you in a moment. God, we thank you for these gifts of grace that we can tangibly touch and hold and feel. God, I pray that these elements, that when they meet our bodies, God, that in the mysterious way that only you can do, God, I just pray that you would remind us that you fill us and you sustain us so that we can go out into the world and we can empty ourselves knowing that you will fill us and sustain us again and again and again. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for you laying your life down for us so that we can recognize this real, tangible love. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Friends, on the night that our Lord was betrayed, He took some bread, and he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples. And he said, this is my body, which has been broken for you. Take and eat, and every time you do, remember me. Friends, take, eat, and be thankful. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup and he gave it to his disciples, and he said, "This is my blood, the blood of the new covenant that has been poured out for you. Take and drink, and every time you do, remember me. Take, drink, and be thankful." Kevin, we're going to sing the. the we're going to sing the. Um, Doxology, my goodness. Friends, sing along. Praise God, from whom all blessings flow. Let it be so. All right. Just a few announcements this morning before you are dismissed. I want to remind you all that the Mosaic Baby Bottle Campaign is still going on. And if you haven't already, you can pick up your bottles in the foyer. You can collect change. And that is just something they do every year to support the Mosaic Pregnancy Center. And we want to support them and come alongside them. And so this is one way we can do that. So, be sure to grab one of those if you have not already. There's a lot out there. So, maybe some of you should take two. I don't know. I'll let you decide. But just don't forget to take at least one. Uh, We want to let you know that the office will be closed tomorrow. Um, Just keep that in mind. Uh, We've got several um, fellowship events coming up that you're going to want to be aware of. The men's group is going to meet next Saturday for breakfast here at the church. That's January 21st. That's going to be at 8 a.m. over in the uh, kitchen foyer area or the kitchen fellowship hall area. I cannot think straight today. The ladies, ladies, pay attention. Um, We decided that we wanted to have breakfast too, okay? And we also decided that none of us wanted to make it. And so we are going to meet for an impromptu breakfast. I'm just kidding. No one decided that. I'm just trying to be funny. Uh, We decided that we would like to meet for an impromptu breakfast, though, and so um, anyone that's able to, ladies, we're going to gather this coming Tuesday at 9 a.m. at Golden Oaks Restaurant in Fairview Heights for breakfast. I know there's a lot of ladies that are not going to be able to make that. However, I want you to stay tuned because we have um, some more information coming up about some monthly ladies' events. It's happening starting next month, so stay tuned. There is more happening. Um, This is just something to kind of meet both uh, types of people who are available, right? And so something for everyone kind of a thing. So ladies, that's this Tuesday, 9 a.m. at Golden Oaks Restaurant. And then the Lunch Bunch is going to be meeting on January 25th, and that's going to be at Chevy's. Uh, Team Day is still coming up at January 28th at Salem Grace Church of the Nazarene. Um, Anybody who is involved in the life of the church, you're invited to come, and it's just a time of teaching and workshops and just something that can kind of help us to get some maybe new ideas, inspiration, that kind of thing. It's an encouraging time if you're able to come. And then last but not least, um, our board secretary, church board secretary, Adam, is going to come and share something with us. Oh, you got it.
3: Here, we go. Here you go. Hello. can you hear me? Yes. Yeah. Can you hear myself. Okay. Um, so first of all, real quick, but we have a couple of quick announcements. Um, those of you who are paying attention or keeping track, we are coming up on the two-year anniversary of when we installed Pastor Nicole. As our pastor, I think we're, what, about a week ahead, maybe? But
2: Yeah, 30th, I think.
3: 30, okay, yeah. well, maybe two weeks ahead. Maybe close enough, I close think, enough. <laughs> Well, fingers crossed. Um, but oh we're going to thank Nicole and, Nicole and Beau for coming two, two years ago. And with that, a um, little item of business here within the church, but at the two-year mark, uh, whenever a pastor is installed, at that point, then the pastor and the church board and the district superintendent meet and have a pastor church review Mm -hmm. process. So we did that this past week, and our district superintendent, Terry Armstrong, then he he met with us this past Monday and then sent a letter to the church board and asked that we would read it to the church. Mm -hmm. So this letter, again, is from Terry Armstrong, the district superintendent of the Illinois District, and it says, Dear Congregation of Belleville First, Greetings in the powerful name of our risen Christ. It is with great excitement that I write this letter. This past Monday, January 9th, 2023, I had the privilege of meeting with your pastor and church board to conduct the renewal of local church pastoral relationship, according to manual paragraph 123. It's a lot, you know. Heavy businesses. stuff there. Manual paragraph 123. <laughs> we had a great discussion, and the board shared how they see God at work in the life of your congregation under the leadership of your pastor, Nicole Cotton. I am pleased to announce it was the unanimous consensus of the board to continue the current relationship with Pastor Cotton for four more years. you. <laughs> <Nice, right. laughs> He says, quickly, thank you, congregation, for loving on your pastor and for your willingness to follow her leadership as she follows the leadership of the Holy Spirit. I pray God's continual blessing on each of you in the congregation as you seek to live life on this journey of grace, following Jesus, and loving one another. And so I know, at the end of the letter, it's Terry's words, and I know on behalf of the church board, we want to thank you for the two years. It feels like it's gone by fast, but at the same time, it's kind of... We we're to think at one time when we didn't know you guys. Yeah. So, um, thank you for everything that you've done for your leadership and your humility, and again just for the passion and the conviction that you have serving us every day. So, um, with that, we are going to give you guys two gift cards: one for you know the two-year mark, and another one for um, enduring this review Monday nights. So, uh, <laughs> so not <laughs> necessary. Here you go, thank, you. thank you, very much.
2: thank you, Adam. Thank you. Oh yeah, thanks. Uh, truly, I went into Monday night just excited to, to uh, hear from everyone's heart. That was what I was most excited about and uh, walked away just feeling incredibly encouraged. Uh, that I was able to hear from nine different people how they see God at work in our midst. And it just made my heart happy because I feel like I see it too. But sometimes you wonder, like, is it just me or do others sense this as well? And so it, it was uh, just so refreshing. And it's an absolute joy and privilege to be your pastor. I have the best job in the world, I'm the luckiest person in the world. And I just thank you guys for loving our family and taking good care of us. Thank you for bearing with us today. It was a lot. There was a lot going on today, a lot to uh, unpack together. And so I just thank you for that. And now I'm going to invite you to stand as I share this benediction before you leave. Brothers and sisters in Christ, may you go in the grace and power of our Lord. May you be open and teachable this week. May you be aware of the different ways and through the different people which God seeks to speak to you, to teach you, and to guide you. May you receive that and may you always be open to being teachable. Go in his power and peace. You are dismissed. Have a great day.